We're in Deuteronomy chapter 23. Let's pray. Fathers, we go through these uh, many um, stipulations, rules, statutes, ordinances. We pray your blessing on them, that would, you would reveal your heart to us and, and the things that you would uh, have us do and the things that you would need us to know. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, chapter 23, verse 1. He that is wounded in the stones or hath his privy member cut off shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Now I know you're very jealous at this moment. You're saying, boy, I wish I was the teacher because I, I would love to be able to instruct in this. You see, the people who don't do verse by verse never get around to Deuteronomy chapter 23. And it's, so why do we have it in here? Why, why is God teaching us these things, you know? And there's uh, other things. This, I don't even know if this is the worst of today's uh, lessons. Uh, the, the worst, the most uh, hardest to uh, teach on and keep a straight face. Um, I'm still a little boy at the end of the day. I, I still laugh at, you know, things that I'm not. So I, th I think the uh, Three Stooges are wonderful comedic geniuses. And you're thinking, that's very arrested development there. I say, oh, amen. I, 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 I wouldn't even argue. So we look at uh, verses like this and we just assume. Uh, I want you to understand something, though. The congregation of the Lord, I do not believe, he's not talking about, this is a congregation. We congregate. And so if you're in this situation, vamos, right? No, 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 no. Uh, I think it's talking about service as a priest, okay? And we saw before, I can't remember if it's in the book of Numbers or Deuteronomy, it talked about he, he was a crookback or, or a dwarf, or, and it had words like very un politically correct terminology, you can't serve as a priest. I think this is an extension of that. Because the people we're talking about, they haven't, this isn't an industrial accident. This is purposeful mutilation for the sake of worship. We're talking about false worship. And he says, no, no, don't mingle this false worship with my, my priest, my worship. Um, if you want the lowdown on this, there's uh, something I, I uncovered years ago. I was just in YouTube looking. And there's such a, it's such a benefit, and at the same time, such a waste of time. And, and there's so many um, videos that are so powerful, and so many videos that are just not even worth your... They're horrible. And it's up to you to kind of sift through them all. But one of the ones I would encourage, and I don't generally encourage non-Calvary Chapel stuff, because I'm always a little bit iffy, you know, you're out, I, I don't say we have the truth, the market cornered on truth, I don't say that, but I'm comfortable with Calvary Chapel stuff, by and large, I say that, not all Calvary Chapels are created equal, I get that too, but this guy here, and it's called, you might want to write this down, it's called the Fuel Project, you say, why is it called that, I have no earthly idea, the Fuel Project, Know Your Enemy. Now, the guy's a youngish man, and he's uh, got a Scottish, thick Scottish accent. When he says bull, B-E-W-L, he means bull, B-U-L-L. -L. <laughs> uh, that, that'll get you, get you it'll, it'll help. Uh, he, it's very good. It's called Know Your Enemy. It's on Satanism. It's on Babylon. It's about the mystery religions and paganism, where they come 
from, how they all tie in together. And it will clear up a lot of hazy thinking. Again, I said, oh, Calvary Chapel's not created equal. If I go to Calvary Chapel and ask people about Islam, and they think like, well, you know, that's just, you know, Allah, that's just a Christian word, I mean, uh, Islam, an uh, Arabic word for God. And we all basically, you know, they, Abraham is their father and he's our father. And they have really hazy, weird ideas. Um, I would suggest, you know, you get first in line to listen to this. Uh, Catholicism and a lot of people's understanding, just another Christian tradition, a little bit uh, different than us. They have some, oh, you, you should check this out. And I think, you know, like, again, hazy ideas like that would go away. When you're confronted with, this is what Scripture says, this is where this comes from, and this is what, when it's talking about, like, Asherah poles, we don't talk about that very often. We don't talk about Baal worship. We don't generally talk about Molech. Now, we are here in Deuteronomy talking about these things because God brings them up. But I think a lot of times when we're talking about this, people are like just kind of eyes glaze over. And this study would be, it's like 77 videos, but they're all like five to 10 minutes, three to 10 minutes. None of them are very long. And you could like waste a half hour watch six or seven of them. And I think they're really worthwhile. Uh, the other thing is a book by Jonathan Kahn that just came out. I perchance, and I'm using my ditto fingers, perchance, I came uh, across this book. I like Jonathan Kahn. I say that reservedly, okay? I'm not saying I like his eschatology or I like his... I'm just... Generally, what, what he's taught, I think, is, is... He's the guy who wrote The Harbinger, and he's written a lot of things since that I think are worthwhile. That's all I'm saying. This one's called The Return of the Gods. You can go out and buy the book, it was $28, which I thought was a little steep, but that's fine. Uh, or you can watch a few videos because he's given some interviews on like YouTube and things like that. And um, he gives away enough that you know enough. And then the question is like, why is the world going crazy? Why is it... What? Even, even liberals, even progressives are saying, this is crazy. What, what's going on now? What is... he? shows you what's going on in a way that we're all able to understand it. And it's worth your, again, if you watch a couple of YouTube videos, Jonathan Kahn, The Return of the Gods, you'll get it. And I, I would, if I just would teach what he's teaching, it's one, plagiarism, but two, uh, he, he encapsulated it better than I could. And so I usually don't say this, you know, watch this video, watch this video. Sometimes it's like really worthwhile. And this would really help us to understand. So when we see a passage, like it would say, oh, oh, this is what he's talking about. He's not talking about, again, somebody who's hurt in an industrial accident. God's like, hey, you're on your own, too bad, out. We know better than that about God, right? So anyway, that's my, that's, you, you have your, you're wounded in the stones, and yeah, that is what you think it is, or hath this privy member cut off, no priesthood for you. Um, we do this in some priesthoods they do this not castration verbatim but we do it in a spiritual way celibacy there's no scriptural basis for that uh, when I was in Catholicism I was um, I had pre-marriage counseling by a guy who'd never been married I think it's kind of weird a little bit isn't it 
You know, uh, what, what have you got to tell me? Uh, God never wanted that, but it just keeps the, the, the priesthood at a kind of a level above, you know, us regular people who just do things like procreate and, and things of this nature. But the, the reasoning behind why celibacy is such an important thing, again, I said, say, check out the fuel project. I was watching this morning, it was on Catholicism, I think it was part 23, and it just beautifully explained some things that why things are the way they are. And it also then it went into uh, Islam and again, beautifully covered it, I, I think, in, in like four, five, six minute segments that so you can keep your attention. Anyway, verse two, all that. Now we're in verse two. Yea, a bastard shall not enter the congregation of the Lord even unto the tenth gen his tenth generation shall he not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Here I get a note in my Bible that says, serve as a priest. You say, well, okay, a bastard, someone who is conceived illegitimately, and by the way, you have to know that about God, right? This, if you are illeg have illegitimacy in your history, that's really kind of a function of those who came together so you were conceived a certain, at a certain time in a certain way. It's not a reflection on you. Why are you punished this way? Hey, listen, I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. This is really important. That's the nature of sin. That is just the nature of sin. People always come to me, well, how come this and he's innocent and how come he has to suffer? Oh, listen, that's the nature of sin. You have a father who's a drunkard and he beat you. That's got nothing to do with you. But you're still the one beaten, right? That's why sin's so sinful. It's always worked out that way. Listen, sin is horrific because innocent people get hurt. So we have in the time past, it's funny, we were just talking about the scarlet letter. Isn't that funny? How often does that come up? There was a time in America where illegitimacy was like a big, big thing. I think it should still be. I don't know that it's a reflection on the child. But it, it should be like, hey, aren't you shamefaced a little bit? You didn't even bother to get married or something? You're just reaping, sowing the wind and reaping the whirlwind. You're, just, you're not helping society. You're helping tear it down. I don't, and to be sure, listen to me. This is my pastor's heart talking now. So you have a history that's unflattering. You're not real proud of it. Welcome to my life. It, it's, 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 isn't Jesus awesome? Because he takes ridiculous people like me and saves us, and it's a new day. And it's, but sin is still sinful. I, 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 I want to encourage you, and at the same time, turn you away from sin. We're very gracious when somebody has a, a child out of wedlock. We're like, we, we're ready to, with that big letter A to pin it on their chest, and you've got to wear it around forever. No, not at all. We're, we have baby showers for illegitimate children. We, have, we celebrate, and I think this, we probably should. But there's still a kind of a, uh, that's not the best choice. You know, we're not prudes here. We're not like, uh, like anti-sex or anything. We talk about sex because it comes up often in the Bible. It's a wonderful gift of God designed for marriage. And we're we, we want that to stay intact. People who uh, wait till they get married and open up that gift on their wedding night, I think it's a godly and a good thing. And 
Weddings when I've been at a situation like that, I've been to weddings where the minister will say, you may kiss the bride, and that's their first kiss. That's a glorious and a good thing. I'm not suggesting you better not kiss a woman before you're married or you're going right to hell. I'm not saying that, and you know I'm not saying that. I'm just saying people who select, I want God's very best for my marriage. That's never a a bad choice. It never is. Um, So, yes, this affects the child, but I guess all sin does. And again, it's not saying forever. It's just talking about the 10th generation. It's talking about serving as a priest. An Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter the congregation of the Lord, even to their 10th generation shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever. Wait, what? Again, congregation means, enter into the congregation means service as a priest. And factor something in, by the way. Grace. Do you remember there's a famous Moabite woman named Ruth? Hello? She's the great-grandmother of King David. Now, uh, there's another king, a couple from David, called uh, Rehoboam. would be David's grandson. David's son was a man named uh, Solomon. Solomon's mother was an Ammonite. So we have both of these people serving as king, a Moabite and an Ammonite. You just can't be a priest is what God's saying, okay? And <clears throat> again, you know, talk about Ammonite. Um, isn't Ruth, uh, not Ruth, uh, Rahab the harlot, isn't she an Ammonite? I, I, th- I think so. You can check me on that. God's gracious. After we say all these and give you all these rules, there's always an exception. There's always like a God's so hot and fast. And I'm, now, by, by the way, both of these are children of Lot by incestuous. And you say, well, yeah, but the children shouldn't be punished for that. The children are punished for their own reasons. Uh, look at uh, verse 4. Because they met you not with bread and with water in the way when you came forth out of Egypt. Because they hired against thee Balaam, the son of Beor, of, Peth, of Pethor, of Mesopotamia, to curse thee. Nevertheless, the Lord thy God would not hearken unto Balaam, but the Lord thy God turned the curse into a blessing unto thee because the Lord thy God loved thee. Thou shalt not seek their peace nor their prosperity all thy days forever. So God has to say about that. Look, uh, it wasn't because of their great-great-great-grandfathers, because of their activity. God says that all through Scripture. You're not punished for the sins of your father. You're not, you don't punish the children for the sins of the father. You don't punish the fathers for the sins of the children. Each man suffering for his own sins. And again, I say, God is gracious. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Yay! So go out and sin up a storm and grace will be all over the place. Or, remember what I've always said, choose to sin, choose to suffer. Will God forgive you? I guarantee you he will. So sin is the best option. It is not. It is not. There's always a price to be paid. You say, well, Jesus paid the price. Amen. Amen. But, I'll show... <laughs> okay. But there's going to be... I'm going to show you. I'm going to put that on the back burner. I'll, show, I'll bring this up again. Uh, Thou shalt not abhor an Edomite. Well, how come you... Don't want Ammonites or Moabites. Edomite, that's his brother. 
Esau and Jacob in the same womb at the same time. Twins. Fraternal twins, as they say. He is thy brother. Thou shalt not abhor an Egyptian, because thou wast a stranger in his land. The children that are begotten of them shall enter into the congregation of the Lord in their third generation. God saying, I'm wait ten generations, third generation. You mean you can be an Egyptian priest? Yeah. How's that work? Well, your mother has to marry a, a, a Levitical priest. Uh, you, you remember, it's not, uh, it's hereditary. It's, uh, you've got to have Levi genes. So the tribe of Levi has to, that's how it works. Uh, but yeah, three generations you can serve as a priest. The children that are begotten of them shall enter into the congregation of the Lord in their third generation. When the host goeth forth against thine enemies, then keep thee from every wicked thing. Remember, we wrestle against, uh, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're against, wrestling against principalities. So your friend calls you up and says, there's uh, d- demons manifesting in my house. Are you going forth to war? Hey, it's time. What will you do? Well, you probably call me and say, <laughs> I got a problem, you know. Uh, which, by the way, is fine. But I want you to understand something. God's given you dominion over snakes and scorpions. And the sooner we learn that, the sooner our lives are. You know, it's kind of funny. Like, we live under fear. Fear is our, our God. It dictates all our activities. We live in fear. And finally, we come to that place saying, I'm going to enjoy the battle. Lord, I do not want to be living under fear for the rest of my life. Or bitterness, or discouragement, or a plethora of things that are besetting sins. And we finally get in that place. No more fear, Lord. I understand. Fear doesn't come from you. It comes from the devil. I won't have it in my life. And we wage war. And we win. And we get to that place in life where fear isn't like a thing anymore. You say, that can't happen. Oh, it absolutely can happen. Some of you will testify that it has happened in your life. Or lust, or discouragement, or whatever it is that your issue is. And then we look back and we're thinking, what was that all about? Why was that? I, how did I, why, why was that even a thing? It's not even a thing anymore. How, how did I live like that? Why did I let myself be subject unto the satanic oppression for all this time? And then we're in the Lord and we're in the joy of the Lord and we're serving the Lord and we're being filled by the Holy Spirit. And it's such a wonderful thing. We, we wonder like, this was our inheritance. This was our promised land all, all the time. Hiding in the obvious, right open space. We could have always had it. And we, Satan just lied to us and told us that this isn't for you. You know, God doesn't bless you. He, no, you're, you're the exception. God doesn't love you. He won't, he won't pour out his spirit on you. And there's always some reason why. Like in your situation, God is a respecter of persons. Listen, the the outcome of the battle is never uncertain. It's never uncertain. And you have to come to a place where you think God wants me to be under uh, Amorites and Amalekites and Moabites and... Really? I'm here to tell you, not at all. Not at all. But when you go go to war, you've got to keep yourself... Pure. Would you go and perform an exorcism on somebody's house or somebody's person and check out some pornography before you go? I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think it's a good idea. Well, it's never a good idea. But you know when you're warring on behalf of the Lord, when you're going forth in, 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 in battle, man, you better, you better have all your 
If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's the Christian's bar of soap. That's how we stay current with the Lord. Um, did I have a great day yesterday? I had a pretty good day. Yeah, I did. And, I did, and then I had a not-so-good night. And then I like, uh, woke up this morning. I was still kind of... Uh, hypothetically. Hypothetically. And then, so what did I do? I'm going to share the, the glorious teaching of the Word of God. I, I better clean up some stuff. I mean, Lord, I've been just a miserable, fleshly... You, you have to. You have to. When you're going forth, the, and this is what says it, I think a lot of times we're still under dominion of satanic influences because we like our sin more than we want to walk in victory. I want God to deliver me, but I'm not giving up my alcohol. I want God to have victory in my life, but I'm still taking drugs. I want you to know that I'm still smoking dope. I don't care if it's now that it's legal, it's great. Go for it. Yay. Come on, you, you know you can't have victory and have sin. You've got you to gotta figure that out. Talk to Aiken about it. Some of you will know the reference. You're going forth against your enemies. Keep you from every wicked thing. If there be among you any man that is not clean by reason of uncleanness, that chances him by night. This just gets better and better, right? Then shall he go abroad out of the camp. He shall not come within the camp. That's always a problem with sin. It's... It makes you desolate. It makes you unavailable for fellowship. You're outside the camp, so to speak. It shall be when even cometh on, he shall wash himself with water, and when the, the sun is down, he shall come into the camp again. What is that? Sunset is the beginning of a new day in Israel. Hey, it's a new day. You know, it, it, don't live on yesterday's defeats or victories. I had great victory yesterday. I was filled with the Spirit, and I was hard-charging. I was serving the Lord. I was loving life. I was, that was yesterday. Praise God. But today's a new day. We need a new filling. We absolutely do. That's how it works. And, but it works for sin the same way. Confess sin. Be done with it. God's going to be mad at you forever. He's just, you are this close to annihilate. You have no said Satan, says, God, uh, your sins and your iniquities, I will remember no more. It's a new day. It's a, it's a new, you, you see, it's not, it's not, Satan will have you live, look at, his, his name is the accuser. It's what he does. And you know why it's so effective? Because we're so worthy of being accused of everything. And if you look at my, if I concentrate on who I was, who I was, back before salvation came to me. I'd be so shamefaced in front of you right now. I'd be so... But that was then. That was B.C. days. What are we talking about them? That's all under the blood. Satan would try to keep rubbing my nose in it. Oh, you're a sinner. I just... Listen, I ain't going to win that argument with him. <laughs> you're so right. You have no idea how right you are. Praise God. That's all under the blood. And that's how it is. Look, so I can, I can have victory today even though I had defeat yesterday. And we have to figure that out sooner or later. We have to, we have to appropriate for ourselves. Walk in victory. There's, there's always that fork in the road. Should I choose flesh? Should I choose what God wants for me? 
Lord, I'm, I'm awful tempted right now to do wrong. You've got to show up in a big way and help me right now, right this moment. Will he? You check that out and see if he won't. You check it out and see if he won't. You come and you tell me your story. And I don't have to know what the sin was because we're all so shamefaced that we have sin in our lives or temptation. Temptation just means Satan's alive and well living on planet Earth. That's all it means. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. Jesus Christ was tempted. I tell you the story often that uh, a, a lady was talking to me about Jesus' sinfulness. What are you on about now? What, what are you talking about? Well, he was tempted, and she equated temptation with sin. And I alerted her that that's not even close to being biblical. And I wondered about her own life. Does temptation, her own life, mean absolutely sin every situation? That's why she had them equated? Temptation only means that Satan's doing satanical stuff. That's all it means. It doesn't mean you're a horrible, filthy, perverted, wicked sinner. Well, you are those things, but, and so am I, but praise God, we don't practice those things because there's a new sheriff in town. There's new power in our life. And if you haven't taken advantage of that power, we're missing a big, big part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I ain't going to be victimized. I'm not. He set us free from sin and death. And if you don't have that part of the gospel down, that's why we're in Deuteronomy. Um, and here we, I said earlier, the fathers shall not be put to death for the children, neither shall the children be put to death. Oh, no, I'm, I'm way ahead of myself. I'm sorry. I'm so, sorry. I'm sorry. That's way later. You can't come into the camp again. Thou shalt have a place also without the camp, whether thou go forth abroad, and thou shalt have a paddle upon thy weapon. Did you guys read ahead here, and you're still here? God bless you. That's Okay, it just gets better and better. Thou shalt have a paddle upon thy weapon. It shall be when thou wilt ease thyself abroad. You love King James. Everything sounds biblical, right? Thou shalt dig therewith, and shalt turn back, and cover that which cometh from thee. If you don't know what it's being talked about, we'll talk later. Cover up. This is latrine. This is, okay, personal hygiene, okay, is, is, is important. Why? For the Lord thy God walketh in the midst of thy camp to deliver thee and to give up thine enemies before thee. Therefore shall thy camp be holy, that he see no unclean thing in thee and turn away from thee. Really? Yeah, now you can go and practice this, or you can just, we have bathrooms now, and they flush, and stuff goes away. It's great. Uh, on the uh, solar fields I've been in, stuff like that, they have these porta johns and there's a collection place, and it doesn't go away anywhere, and it's just like, and, but that's, it's still kind of hygienic enough. I mean, if you use the little hand sanitizer stuff, and that's my life, okay? But uh, in, in my house, I have indoor plumbing. It's kind of a good thing. We praise God for that. But the hygiene is like important. It kept the uh, Israelites from the Black Death, went through all of Europe, and th tens of thousands died. But no Jewish people did. And they were thinking like, oh, they, it, was, it was a reason for anti-Semitism. But it was just basic hygiene. You follow God's ways and you were okay when everyone else was suffering mightily. 
Okay, uh, thou shalt not deliver unto his master the servant which is escaped from his master unto thee. Hey, man, I love God. I love God. I, I do. He shall dwell with thee even among you in that place which he shall choose in one of thy gates, which he liketh him best. He gets to decide. How do you like that? Uh, thou shalt not oppress him. Um, I remember a debate between a believer and a non-believer, and they were using uh, the text of Huckleberry Finn where he's going to turn Jim in, and he thinks it's he, Huckle, Huck, uh, equates it with salvation. He felt all clean and good inside because he was going to do the right thing and turn Jim in, who's a runaway slave. And if you've ever read it, and by the way, if you haven't, shame on you, and you should. I mean, you should. This is great American literature. Listen to it on LibriVox, download it, and every time they say the N-word, I know, I cringe too. Uh, it, it, good, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing that we do. Uh, it, was, it was language that was used at the time, uh, I don't condone it, uh, again, but it's worth listening to. So anyway, Huck says he's going to turn Jim in, and then he's like all, you know, feels good and clean inside. And then he remembers all the good times they had on the raft, on the river, and he starts re reminiscing, and he thinks like, well, I'm going to be damned, and I know I'm going to be damned for sure, but he's not, and he goes and lies, and I don't know where Jim is, blah, 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 blah. And... So that is why you should reject Christianity. And I think in this, Mark Twain, who was an atheist, a famous atheist, was a buffoon. Before you go and spread your lies and your hatred, five minutes in the library would have settled a question for you. Huckleberry Finn was being good and godly by not turning in Jim, and he was being biblical. Okay, so enough of that silly thought. If we were alive during the Civil War, I hope we would all be part of the, uh, the, uh, the, what's that, the Underground Railroad. I hope all our houses would be stations at the Underground Railroad. I know in my own heart of hearts, I know if I was alive during that time, that's how I would be. Uh, because I know this verse. Any questions? I, I revere Harriet Tubman as one of our great heroines of America. Uh, there was an act, uh, God bless us, God forgive us, uh, the, the Supremes, or I don't know if it was a Congressional Act or what it was, Senate, I don't know, that if you had a, you couldn't aid a, aid and a better runaway slave, it was against the law. You had to report and detain and whatever. God help us. And that's one of the things I think where God, look, the Civil War touched every American family. Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands were killed, more than any of our wars. And, and God has something to say about that. Now, having to say that, I think this slavery in, in the, at this time wasn't, because, you know, the Bible talks about slavery, and you, there's always was rules regarding, and you never had a, a brothel at your disposal. It was never that way in, in biblical times or anything like that. You remember last week when we talked about that woman who was brought into the camp. You want to make a wife out of her because she was a, the enemy that was slain. You say, oh boy, I think she'd make a good wife. It was a wife. It wasn't a, a plaything. Uh, God never uh, condoning anything like that. Um, 
and, I, and again, let, well, let's just keep moving. I think we said enough on that. Uh, this is what God has to say. Don't deliver that servant back to his master that's escaped. You have no part and party of that. That's godless, that's wicked behavior. He, he wants to settle here, he wants to live here. God bless him. That's your, uh, the way it's supposed to be. And again, it's revealing the heart of God. There shall be no whore of the daughters of Israel, nor a sodomite of the sons of Israel. Any questions? Uh, I think this has to do with, one, read it at face value, and I think it's true. But I think what it's talking about is ritual. Well, look at the next verse. Thou shalt not bring the hire of a whore. So we're talking about prostitution, uh, in ritual worship. Thou shalt not bring the hire of a whore or the price of a dog. Wait a second, we're talking about whores and sodomites. Now we're talking about whores and dogs. You remember where it says in, in I think it's Revelation 21, outside the gate are liars and fornicators, and it says dogs. And it means male sodomites. I don't know how else to say it. I know that's not politically correct. I know that. I know that. Shame on me, right? It's biblically correct. And I will never apologize for teaching the Word of God. You do not have to buy into the culture and what the culture is telling us. You don't have to do that. Uh, I know what the Word of God says, and I'm going to continue to, to not only teach it, but to revel in it. Uh, I, so, by the way, this principle is still alive. Uh, We don't have temple prostitutes, male or female. But you wouldn't want to give ill-gotten gains to the Lord, okay? You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't want to do that. Uh, and this is saying, don't bring the hire of a whore or the price of a dog into the house of the Lord thy God. For any vow, for even both of these are abomination unto the Lord thy God. Now this next part has to do with usury. Thou shalt not lend upon usury to thy brother. Usury of money, usury of victuals, usury of anything is lent upon usury. And some of you are saying, what is usury? Um, it's just interest. You, just, you, you, you give it such and such a rate, and you pay back it at the higher rate. Um, hey, Adam, can I borrow 10 bucks? Yeah, but you're going to pay me back 20. That would be usury. You, you can't do it to a brother. Unto a stranger thou mayest lend upon usury, but unto thy brother thou shalt not lend upon usury. That the Lord thy God may bless thee in all that thou um, settest thine hand to, go, to in the land whither thou goest to possess it. Now you have to figure out for your own self if you would lend money to, and if this comes in today into play. It wouldn't my own life. I'd just say that, right? We don't, we're not money lenders by and large. Uh, uh, but we have banks for such things now. But, you know, whether you would do that, whether you would co-sign on a loan to a brother, things of this nature, work it all out. Pray your, your spiritual people. When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it. For the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it would be sin in thee. But if thou shalt forbear to vow, it shall be no sin in thee. But that which has gone out of thy lips thou shalt keep and perform, even a freewill offering, according as thou hast vowed unto the Lord thy God, which thou hast promised with thy mouth. Jesus says, don't make any vows. I like his ways better. 
if you make a vow, you've got to at least have faith in your ability to keep it. I don't have any faith in me. Uh, I think it's a dumb idea. Um, we're we're going to build, we're going to add on to the sanctuary, we're going to build this, we're going to build a school, we're gonna, and I want you to vow and tell us how much you're going to, you know, give. And so our building project is built on the promises of men. <laughs> what an empty, vain thing that is. And I'm trying to get you to do something that the scripture specifically says don't do. I think churches do err greatly when it comes to things like that. <clears throat> I'll have no part of it. Um, let yes be yes and you know be no. Now, some of you make this thing called an inner vow, if I can put it that way. You, you're brought up in poverty and you say, I'm never going to be poor again. And we make this vow. And, we, and I, I think that's a really, really, really bad idea. I know where it comes from. It comes from pain, and I'm never going to have this pain again. Uh, my wife was no good, and she betrayed me. I'm never going to trust women again. <sighs> you, no, no, it's a bad idea. And you get a little cray-cray in this area when you make this vow. We see it, but you can't see it. Because you you're, you're speaking from pain and you never want to have that pain in your life again. I get that. But when you say, I'm going to, and you make it a thing, I don't know if I'm ever going to be hurt again. Guess who's the Lord of my relationships? The Lord God is. I'm not Lord of my relationships. And it works better that way, by the way. Am I promising you you're never going to get hurt again? L let God be God. In all situations, don't make these, oh, I'll never, I'll never trust another woman. I'll never trust another man. My husband was... Again, you get, you get crazy now. We can see it. <laughs> we try to explain it to you. You can't see it. Because you're just, just trust in God. God, you, uh, I'll never be poor again. I'm the Lord of my finances now. God is not the Lord of my finances. He might make me poor. No, God's the God of everything. Let's just trust in Him. When thou comest into thy neighbor's vineyard, then thou mayest eat grapes, thy fill at thine own pleasure, but thou shalt not put any in thy vessel. When thou comest into the standing corner of thy neighbor, and thou mayest pluck the ears with thine hand, but thou shalt not move a sickle into the neighbor's standing corner. What's it saying? You're walking through a vineyard or a, or a like a grain field, like Jesus and the disciples did. They grabbed some of the wheat, and they went like this with their hands. And by the way, I've done this with rye, because it grows wild here in Maine. And you can do that, and you can just take the kernels out, and like that, and the chaff blows away, and you can eat the kernels. And it's wild. Nobody owns it. So it's, you know what I mean? I did it like, um, like when I was working last year in uh, Farmington. They had all kinds of rye there, and I was doing it all the time, because... I don't know. It's just a snack, and rye's good for you anyway, right? And so you can do that, but you can't bring up your pickup truck. Hey, my neighbor's on vacation, and you're in his apple orchard, and you just fill up your truck with apples. No, 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 you can't do that. Can you do it in America today? Look, I think the reason was they're all family. They're all descend from Jacob. They're all brothers and sisters, cousins. And I think, and, and God said, yeah. Knock yourself out. Have a good time. God bless. No, don't be filling up your sack. Don't be, don't be like that. Isn't it sad he has to tell us? He knows us so well that if we, he says like we can do this. Was Jesus and the disciples doing a bad thing? Of course they weren't. Of course they weren't. 
I would say, don't do it now. You walk into a, an apple orchard. It's not your apple orchard. Hands off. They, they'll sell you. They'll be glad to sell you all the apples you want, but don't. Now, if you're, if you're going through there, like uh, I go to, what's the one outside? Truogy. We go to that one sometimes. And I'm not suggesting that one over any other one or anything like that. But you can eat apples while you're picking apples. They'll let you do that. And that's fine. Okay? If you've got the whole deal. But if you're just, like I say, walking by, oh, here's an apple. Uh, no, I don't know. It's called stealing. Chapter 24, when a man taketh a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes because he hath found some uncleanness in her, let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it to her hand and send her out of his house. When she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. If the latter husband hate her and write her a bill of divorcement and giveth it to her into her hand, sendeth her out of thy house, or if the latter husband die, which took her to be his wife, her former husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife after that she is defiled. In other words, she slept with the second husband, right? For that is abomination before the Lord. And thou shalt not cause the land to sin, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. Uh, very complicated subject. I want to tidy it up with this. Jesus says that, See, there was a big debate on what constitutes uncleanness, okay? Some said, and some of the priests in Jesus' time had as many as 12 wives. They liked the one that, the very liberal translation of any uncleanness. She burned dinner. Get out of here. So if you hate her, I guess you can just turn the stove up, burn dinner, accuse her, and here you go. Here's your bill of divorcement. We'll talk about this on, on Wednesday night. So you're going to have to do a little bit of homework. Jesus says that the uncleanness is fornication. Um, we talk often about, this is funny, just this week, someone called Suze, someone who used to go to church here, and Suze says, what am I? What, what do people call me? Just so they're looking for a, a biblical reason to divorce their husband, and which is very often. People often, they stop going to church here when they're getting ready to divorce because they know how I feel about it. And they know I'm going to try to minister. And there's nothing that happened we can't put back together. I say we, uh, the Holy Spirit of God and the Bible. And me and Suze, we can help. We do, we do this sort of thing. We can, we've, we've, we've helped when it comes to, to marriage and stuff. And God never teaches us anything. I mean anything in any venue that he doesn't want us to share. Well, I think he tells us stuff. So we, we do pretty good. We, we've been married 43 years now. We do all right. And uh, he wants us to share that. And if you're rocking it, great, great. Praise God. Help those because a lot of people are struggling. You know this. A lot of people are struggling. And, and Satan is attacking marriage like he's never attacked marriage before. Uh, share your secrets. Tell people what you're doing right, and it will be a real benefit. I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that. When a man has taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war, neither shall he be charged with any business, but he shall be free at home one year, that he may cheer up his wife, because she's going to need cheering up, right? It means elate or make happy. Okay, he's going to hang around for a whole year, and you're thinking, how does that work? How, does, how do they pay their bills? How do, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think about a month is a good time for honeymoons, and I'm not saying... Thus saith the Lord. I'm certainly not saying anything like that. Uh, about a month is a good, in my thinking, if you can afford it. Because I know some people can't even afford 
that the honeymoon looks like a, a friend lent them a, a camp by a lake overnight. I know, I know. Some of us have more, some of us have left. Less. I think dad's got a pony up here. You know, you build an addition to the house, an extra wing on the house or something in, in this culture, and you bring your uh, wife there, uh, whatever. Uh, like I say, a whole year, uh, I, I, I'd, like to be, I'd like to be Jewish sometime. Okay, no man shall take the nether or the upper millstone to pledge, for he taketh a man's life to pledge. Uh, that's pretty self-explanatory. If a man be found stealing any of his brethren of the children of Israel and maketh merchandise of him or selleth him, then that thief shall die and thou shalt put away evil from among you. Kidnapping is in Israel, uh, that's it. You're all done. You're, you're, you're toast. Good. I can't imagine any more horrific nightmare in my own life. Take heed in the plague of leprosy. Thou observe diligently to do all that the priests of the Levites shall teach you. As I command them, you shall observe to do. I think that look for spiritual leadership in all plagues. Here, certain leprosy. But, well, I, I, I listen to the CDC. Good, good for you. I think that's a, a bad idea. I'm sorry. We could, I think we have better handle on truth and uh, if, if, if everyone was objective and just facts reigned, but that's never the case. I've never, listen, I'm, I'm alive 62 years. I'm older than most people here, most everybody here. I've been alive 62 years. Truth is never the outstanding value in America. It never is. It's, uh, you know, well, whose truth anyway? How would you come up with a, a question like that unless you have a, an, an agenda? Uh, I think in a plague or anything, yeah, God speaks to his people. I think Levites, we need Levites. Do we need uh, St. Anthony? I don't think so, but that's just one man's humble opinion. Probably said too much. I'll catch flack for that, but I don't care. I don't care. I, don't, I really don't care. I think a lot of people, frankly, have lost their mind. Now, if you, listen, there's some common sense, and I get that. I get that. Um, and, I, and I'm not against common sense measures or anything like that. But I think common sense lives in the people of God better than it lives anywhere else. Enough said, I'm going to keep moving, okay? Uh, remember what the Lord thy God did unto Miriam, by the way, after uh, that she uh, came forth out of Egypt. He's talking about leprosy specifically there. When thou dost lend thy brother anything, thou shalt not go into his house to fetch his pledge. Thou shalt stand abroad. And the man to whom thou dost lend shall bring out the pledge unto thee. And if the man be poor, thou shalt not sleep with his pledge. Um, in any case, thou shalt deliver him the pledge again when the sun goeth down, that he may sleep in his own raiment. So he, he says, listen, I need a, you need to loan me you know, 20 shekels. I'll, I'll give you my coat as it's worth 20 shekels. I'll give you that as like, you know, surety, um, collateral. Okay, fair enough. You, you give it back to him at the end of the day is what it's saying here. Again, isn't that, don't just bless God when you read things like this. He cares about people, what they're sleeping in. And, and that he may sleep in his own raiment and bless thee, and it shall be righteousness unto thee before the Lord thy God. 
Thou shalt not oppress an hired servant that is poor and needy, whether he be of thy brethren or thy strangers that are in thy land within thy gates. And his, at his day thou shalt give him his hire. Pay him every day. So we do this in America in the 21st century? No, I don't know. Do we, ha we have that withholding thing, which I think is kind of a bad idea, but I understand some companies have to do that. They've got a big payroll. It takes a while to process. I get it. We have a guy with a pocket full of money. How many hours you work today? Eight, here's your... I understand that. It was a different culture, and people were living pretty much hand to mouth. And uh, I work for you today as a hired servant. I need that money. I got to go to the marketplace. I got to get resources to go home and feed my family. And God said, I get that. Pay him what you owe him. At his day thou shalt give him his hire, neither shall the sun go down upon it. For he is poor and setteth his heart upon it, lest he cry against, against thee uh, unto the Lord, and it be sin unto thee. The fathers shall, uh, shall not be put to death for the children, neither shall the children be put to death for the fathers. Every man shall be put to death for his own sin. That's why I was accidentally jumped ahead too earlier, and that's what we have to know. If your dad was a scoundrel, if your dad was a good man, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I'm kind of glad we're not, like, some of us are real, real big on ancestry, where we come from, who our late grades were. That's fine. That's fine. I don't, whatever. But me, I, I don't care if your father was the president of the United States of America. Doesn't mean nothing here. We don't have royalty here, and I kind of like the fact that we don't. Uh, so your dad was a rascal, and he was Joseph Stalin. I don't care. I mean, I really don't. And you could be, you could be an elder here. You could pastor a church where your dad was Joseph Stalin. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. God doesn't you know, care about your lineage that way, like, uh, you know, your, your, your dad was Adolf Hitler. We hate you. Your grandfather was Genghis Khan. We don't care. I like that. You know what I mean? Uh, for better or for worse. It doesn't mean you're a wonderful person. It doesn't mean you're a hideous person. And we don't, and so your, your kids are horrible people. We don't, they, yeah, I know, I know. I know you tried hard and we're, we grieve with you, okay? I never try to guilt anyone on that. I, I'm suffering in the same, I'm in the same ridiculous situation you're in. I get it. Uh, Thou shalt not pervert the judgment of the stranger, uh, nor of the fatherless, nor take a widow's raiment to pledge. Oh, God, always looking after the widow and the fatherless. Um, but thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee thence. Therefore I command thee to do this thing. Okay, <coughs> we got a couple minutes left. We're going to finish on time. When thou cuttest down thine harvest in thy field, and hast forgotten a sheaf in the field, thou shalt not go fetch it again. For it shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, for the widow, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hands. Book of Ruth, anybody? God loans a dignity to the poor in this culture because they work for their food. Work fair, is that a good thing in America? I think by and large it is. I think by and large it is. We take uh, what God wants. See, uh, Ruth, we found out one, that she was a worker, you know. Hey, she isn't... Uh, she showed up early. She was working all day. She hadn't taken a break except get some water. And that was the report to Boaz. And Boaz looks and he says, huh, wait a second. Uh, 
Uh, I think our boy's smitten at first sight. Uh, I love to teach the book of Ruth. I ain't got time for it right now. But it was considered a good and a godly thing. He says, hey, drop handfuls on purpose for her. You know what I mean? Make it easier for her to glean. Uh, looking after the, the poor and the widow. And it was a blessing to Boaz. And God made sure that Boaz was blessed. Boaz, whose name means strength, and by the way, he's one of the forebears of Jesus Christ, as is his, his wife, uh, uh, Ruth. Wonderful story. The romance of redemption, some have called it. Um, it's going to be for the fathers, for the widow, because God's always looking after the fathers, for the widow. Why? Because there's no man looking after them. That's the problem. So God becomes a, a father to the fatherless. God becomes a husband to the widow. That the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hands. Will he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He says in another place, when you loan to the poor, you give to God. I, I won't. He says when you give to the poor, you loan to God, and I will repay it. Does he? <laughs> yeah. When thou beatest thine olive tree, and thou shalt, thou shalt not go over the boughs again, it shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, for the widow. When thou gatherest the grapes of the vineyard, thou shalt not glean it afterward, it shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, for the widow. Thou shalt remember thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt, therefore I command thee to do this thing. Always be mindful of others, others who have less. And God, this is the way God wants us to be. And he wants us to look at, he gives us resources. And the reason he does is so we can have the fanciest cars, so we can have the fanciest house, so that we can have the finest of all clothes. And, and God's not against you having a wonderful vacation. I don't think, I, he knows how to bless. He's a, he's a good father. And he wants to just heap blessings on us. I know this about God, but it's not all about us at the end of the day. Neither could it be. I mean, come on, we have to figure some stuff out. He cares about fatherless. He cares about strangers, travelers, the poor. And he wants us to reflect. Now, there was a time when the church of Jesus Christ took care of widows of their own number. Now we have the government doing it, and we're happy to have them do it, and we're not sure we want that ministry back. But I have an idea that we should be noted for our generosity and our benevolence and our goodness. And when people are really down and out, they should look to the church of Jesus Christ and we should be that, that God's hands and God's feet in that situation, to be sure. Um, okay, that's all I've got. Uh, that's the end of uh, chapter 24. So we'll go on with our study in Deuteronomy. I hope this is a blessing. There's some strange stuff here, but uh, if I worship, it's uh, strange to us, you know, the paddle thing, the stones thing, the, the privy mouth. Okay, we, we get it, we get it, we get it. Uh, but, but again, we don't skip verses here, and God's got something to say through all his, his word. So our worship team will come at this time. We'll, we'll stand, we'll, we'll pray, we'll receive a, a blessing. <clears throat> Lord, uh, you know, some of these uh, verses are kind of confusing. We wonder if they're still in force today. We wonder how we should be. At the end of the day, we know we should do this. We should bless like you bless. We should be good like you're good. We should love like you love. We know that. 
So help us to be those people, Lord, for sure. And Lord, um, we, verses like this tell us your mind and who you are and how you feel about things. And so even in your law, we draw closer to you and we thank and praise this wonderful book. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.